ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, yes, it's Causeway Kings back on your radio dial and on the WMEX Sports Podcast Network. Always good to be here, your friend Ben, alongside Adam Clance, Merrill Marshall, oh yes, and boys, as you just said, Merrill, we are mad as hell, and we're not going to take it tonight, gentlemen, no sir. Yeah, I'm just uh, not a whole lot of good going on with the Bruins, and um, yeah, a lot to a lot to get into, and a lot's happened even since the last uh, last time we recorded. So uh, this will be like the Festivus airing of grievances. I'm uh, I'm not really happy with a lot of things that are going on with the team right now, and that off season really hasn't started, which is uh, slightly petrifying when you think about it in those terms. It is absolutely terrifying, and uh, ugh, so much has happened since the last episode. I can't. I just can't even plans my god <laughs> yeah we uh we got a lot going on a lot to talk about you know we got to find out who fucking apparently dropkick merrill's puppy down the street to make him so angry um there's a lot going on in the nhl coaches being hired in other organizations we got all-star players banging random women getting caught on fucking tiktok videos and no, hey, there's just there's just a lot of shit going on. It's the most wonderful time of the year. This is I just, crazy I, I shit just gotta, right I, I have to bring up the Connor McDavid video of him getting Let's caught go. with some random. Let's hit. start off with something First fun. Let's <laughs> start off with something funny. Said <laughs> absolutely buckled out of his mind, and good for I'm him. I'm sure I'm sure people have seen like, you know, the video like the tour they did of his new house that he built with his girlfriend and that girl in that video was clearly not his girlfriend cuz his girlfriend is about as tall as him and blonde. That girl is about a foot shorter and brown hair. Yep. Um it, it's hey man, don't 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 put your hand in the cookie jar when it shouldn't be there. You know? That's that's not your cookie jar, Connor. He was eating the wrong, he was going after the wrong cookie. And nothing for nothing, but the look on his face when the cameraman was like, hey, Connor. And he looked and he was just like, he's like, he was, Uh I don't, I don't know if they were holding hands or she was, or she was fucking holding him up, but he was buckled, absolutely buckled. And it was great to see, probably drinking away his sorrows, realizing that he, he still fucking plays in Edmonton, even though they had a pretty good year and did pretty well in the playoffs. But I gotta say, I bet you there's a little, uh, you know, little tension at home. I would say. Uh, yeah, to say the least. That's crazy. I think they're sleeping in separate beds. You know, uh, Evander Kane was only on this team for so long, and it only took him that long to corrupt Connor McDavid as well. Yeah, right. It's like, and oh no, fucking... dude, you're doing it all wrong. You just got to do it when you're not at home. You know, it's real easy that way. You know, like. My God, what did you teach him? Like, what? Who let him near this dude? Why is this happening? Oh God! And now you're gonna be into Kane asking for fucking seven, eight million dollars a year in a new contract. Yeah, that's too. Uh, half of it's going to alimony. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But no, the, the McDavid thing was was funny. A little sad as well, knowing you know he's a. I I would consider him like the face of the NHL right now at, at his caliber of play, and that that's. That will bring down your rankings just a tad. You just a little, yeah. just a bit outside. Not hey, good. Patrick Kane did some shady shit, and uh, you know people still love him. Hey, so. not guilty. They said not yeah, guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. Connor was fucking caught on camera with another broad <laughs> that was not his girlfriend. And then ah. he gave the deer in the headlights look. It's there's no coming back from that one, dude. The deer in the headlights look is it. That's over for he, me. He he was just going home looking to play with some headlights and I don't think that happened. Ew. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he got caught, you know. I mean, what are you going to do? Like he's not the first athlete to cheat. He's certainly not going to be the last, so. No, no. Hey, Ben, you know what's funny right now? If Merrill doesn't give two flying fucks about the Conor McDavid thing, he just wants to get roaring on the bees. He does. He does, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him. We said we were oh, going to start I'm with like something Sean, fun. I'm like Sean Thornton, the game after Matt Cook, looking for him on the first shift. Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> I'm going to unclick your leash, and <laughs> off you go, buddy. No, I, I, hold on. I need two minutes. I got to go get my uh, popcorn to watch the Marshall show. <laughs> no, it's, I'm uh, just here oh, for yeah. the comments. Full, full, full disclosure for the viewers. I also have to be up at work at three a.m., so I'm obviously cranky about that. It is currently nine twenty-five. Something to do with it a little bit. Might be have something to do with it a little bit, but 
I mean, He'll there's put- so much there's so much awfulness. Where do you want to start? You want to start with a uh, Bergeron? You know, probably going to retire. I mean, we've pounded that in the ground. We have. Uh, let's go with the more shocking news that developed late this afternoon. Uh, well, I guess it's true. We are indeed moving on, and there will be no uh, further business as Cassidy's got a new home out in Vegas. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's a good hire for for Vegas. I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, um, a coach that um, is in win now mode, obviously looking to go to a good team or a team that's let's say a good team. They missed the playoffs, so but I mean that has in you know in theory a lot of talent um that kind of maybe needs to find its way again maybe needs to play with a little structure um certainly a veteran laden team um you know so i i think you know it's like i'm I'm sure they'll get off to a good start i think where the rubber will meet the road when you get into the dog days of the season to kind of see how he's doing but i i think overall it's a good hire i mean it really boiled down to him and trots and i think when when Cassidy became available, I think he shot up to the top of the charts or the top of the list in a lot of teams looking for coaches. Um, so, I mean, you know, it seemed it, again on, you know, June 14th, it seems like a good hire and it, it seems like a logical choice for the both of them. Yeah, no, I, Hey, hats off to Bruce. I'm sure he's going to go there, do great things, part of take that team back to the playoffs. You know, I, I think a, a new voice in a room, it could, could do a lot for a team of that caliber. And, hey, I'm happy for him. And, uh, you know, Vegas is getting a good coach, and I'm excited to see what they do next year. Yeah, it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he interacts with Jack Eichel. Um, you know, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, they don't have a lot of they don't have a lot of cap room as of this moment. It, it you know it, it can be maneuvered. You know I haven't looked at their cap situation, but I know they were right up against it. But we'll see what they do to bring in players. I mean they're they're certainly not going to be looking to trade. Uh, you know they're, they're going to be looking to go for it. I mean they, their window they came into the league and uh, they right out of the starting blocks, one of the better teams in the league. So and they their moves over the past few years have done nothing to um you know uh dispel that they've actually um, accelerated themselves in a little bit of cap trouble but we'll see uh we'll see how it goes let's also talk about the uh Pasternak uh rumors because now it's being reported that he never said any of that that was just a rumor that went around about uh not wanting a sign if Sweeney stays I you you want to take this for first glance yeah I don't know. I don't. I don't believe that he he's that upset. I mean, because now this, you know, we saw the video of him, you know, trying to get Krejci to come back, and now there's rumors that he's, you know, I think he sent out a message to Sean Corrales saying he misses him in Boston. Like, oh, I saw that. <laughs> it sounds like he's trying to like re- recruit former Bruins players to come back to Boston now that Bruce is gone and. You know, maybe that is the case. Maybe now that Bruce is, you know, these guys that have left over the last couple of years, they left mainly because they didn't like Bruce or they didn't, you know, they clashed, you know, clashed heads or whatever. But maybe this is possible trying to help, you know, bring these guys back and bring that back, that winning form they had. Yeah. He's doing more than Don Sweeney. Sign him as the GM too. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like he's, he's more active out there than Sweeney right now. And, you know, Look, I just think I just look at Pasternak's demeanor. I look at it two ways. Pasternak doesn't seem like the a, a ball buster. I mean, I could be wrong, but but he seems like a pretty happy-go-lucky guy. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think for all the shit that we've given Bruins management since the lockout, they've been pretty. You know, you can make the argument they've spent too much money. So I don't think signing him will be an issue. Like I don't think it'll be a money issue. I think. What it's going to really come down to is when they sit down, what are the numbers? It's probably going to be around 10 million a year. The other thing too is, I mean, I don't think he's getting 10. I mean, he's not getting $10 million a year. Man. McKinnon's uh, not even getting $10 million a year. And Pasta's nowhere near his level. Well, Nick McKinnon signed that deal years ago. 
I think I think McKinnon now, if he hit the market now, he would certainly be a ten million dollar player. I think again, it, it the market is what somebody's willing to pay. We don't really know what that's going to be like because obviously he's not a free agent yet. Um, but you know, I think the the Bruins management is willing to sign guys because um, they have the salary cap in place. And secondly. I think that, you know, he's not, like I said, he's not a ball buster. He seems like a, a guy who's pretty, who's pretty down to earth. I think what it'll boil down to is sort of what happens in the off season. I mean, if it's, you know, if we go into the season and it's, you know, Marshawn's out till January is, is Drager reported and it's McAvoy too. And it's, you know, it's Charlie Coyle and Eric Holler as your number one and two centers. I, you know, I could be wrong. Maybe he thinks twice, but I, I think the odds are more probably likely that he resigns. And um, and the other thing I found kind of curious was that um, Pluto Shinzawa, who he's a good reporter and he's not a flamethrower. Like he reported that they would be looking to trade Krejci. I mean, Krejci, uh, Pasternak, like right out of the shoot. I found that kind of weird. Um, like he, like he said, Oh yeah, he would, they would trade him definitely to initiate the rebuild. Like, I wonder where he heard that from. Um, they're just kind of curious. He, you know, he had definitely heard it from somewhere, but um, it, I put the odds at 60% Pasternak probably going to return. I, I would say it's more than likely that he'll probably be, he'll probably be back again. We don't, the talks haven't officially started yet, but I mean, well, I mean, I think he's going to return for next year, no matter what do I, am I hoping they extend him long-term? Absolutely. Do I think I mean. they will? That's a 50-50 chance if they're going to re- – if they're going to – I – you know, do I think Pasenak could go somewhere else and get the $9.5 million a year that most people think he deserves? Yes. Do I think Boston's going to give that to him? Absolutely not. I well, see it depends Boston, on where they I are. See, I see – but but here's the thing, though. It's If Bergeron retires, you have that void to fill. So you can't dump all your money into pasta. So you have to, you have to look at it that way. I can see pasta. If he stays maybe getting eight and a half a year, eight to eight and a half, Yeah, which is, which which is, which is over, you know, $2 million more a year than what he's getting now. I think he's getting 6.6 a year right now, you know? So it's like 1.5 to 2 million more a year. Um, His numbers were down this year from what he, what he's done in past seasons. And obviously everyone knows the tragedy that him and his girl and fiance went through in the off season, which will absolutely take a toll on you mentally and physically. Um, you know, and, and you definitely can't knock him for that. I, I, I do feel that that played a part in his descent of productivity this year, but I mean, he wasn't, he didn't hurt us, but he obviously didn't any, I felt like he didn't really lead us this year either. So, I mean, yeah. to, to throw a number like 10 million out there is, no, I mean, if he goes out and he has a bit, if he gets 50 next year, I mean, and he goes, oh, absolutely. <laughs> he would yeah, have 50 in the pandemic year. The only team that can afford to give him $10 million at the next year would be the Rangers. Cause they still, I think have like 25 million a year available in cap space. Boy, that's crazy. With that, with that team. Wow. Into the, into the deadline, man, they had like 32 million available in cap space. And they're paying Panarin a, a shitload of money too, but. I think he's got, I, I think he's making just over nine. Yeah. I, you know, uh, he's, I think, I think there's a, again, it's a lot like everything else. It's up in the air. You know, if they bring in a freaking college coach like Nate Lehman or Jay Leach and they go five and 15 to start the season, which is totally within the realm of possibility. And he's getting, you know, he's getting smashed every night going up against the top. Again, again, he's going up against the top D pair, and his his first center, his first line center is Eric Howla. You know, I don't know if he'll, I don't, I don't know if he'll have the appetite to uh, to stay. And then, you know, there's also another way to look at it. Well, if that's the case, his value will probably go down because he'll probably only have 25 goals. So, I mean, a lot has got to play out. Um, I just don't have a lot of faith overall that Don Sweeney is gonna is gonna lead this team in the right direction. Um, there's, there's a, there's a lot to go up in the, like, like, for example, he said, he already came out and said, he's not going to buy out Nick Felino, which, you know, would free up, you know, um, 
some cap space right off the jump. I mean, uh, I forget if it's one or two million, but I mean, you know, what are we going to stick him on the power play again for the first 30 games and have him stand there in front of the net and do, and do absolutely shit. I mean, can't have it. Can't have I, I don't, it. I don't know, you know, and the part of that reason too, is, you know, their young players aren't coming up and developing, you know, they're not developing because I don't think they're that good. You know, I look down at Providence and I'm not seeing a guy scoring 35 goals. You say, man, that guy's got to come up. That guy's doing great. Whoever it is, Oscar Steen, Jesper Frodeen, go he right left, down the line. Frodeen's not even an option. He's gone. I'm just, I'm just, yeah, and I'm just going over how, last how, season. How, in how my head. Is that? Like, a, like, a, like uh, Jesper Frodeen has 15 goals in the last 25 games. Let's bring him up. You know, there hasn't been anybody knocking on the door in Providence in a long time. I mean, not, not since like Marshan, really. I mean, that was like the last big. Besides pasta, I mean, he played briefly there. Yeah, um, pasta. Yeah, you know, and that's why you know I'm all over the place right now just because I'm so aggravated. It's but... okay. It's okay. Hone that anger, young Padawan. Also, I think. Oh no, go ahead, Benny. Sorry, buddy. I was just going to bring on our guest via the phone line to the conversation. Uh, Beacon now joins us via the phone. Beacon, what's up, buddy? Oh, hey, how's it going, boys? Just driving through Marshfield, uh, the usual commute back to the city of Presidents. How are you guys doing? <laughs> Excellent. Good. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of aggravated on the Bruins, uh, just everything with the Bruins, Beacon, but... It sounds like it. Uh, you know, be the voice of reason for me, because uh, I'm not feeling too great about... Uh, about a lot of things going on with the team. Um, I also wanted to get your thoughts on the Bruce Cassidy 45 minute availability um, with some of the things coming to light about uh, how Cassidy, I mean, uh, Sweeney initially told, told Bruce Cassidy that he was safe. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that and kind of maybe what you think happened or conjecture or just your general opinions. Uh, I think what happened was maybe that what Sweeney said was true and what Cassidy said was true as well. That maybe they had their conversation at the end of the season. They're like, oh, yeah, we should be good to go. Um, think you guys are safe. Think you're safe. But, yeah, I think I'm safe. That old sort of thing. And then uh, Cam Neely comes down, might have the same conversations with them. And then, uh, oh, look, the Jacobs family comes back from wherever. And uh, they're like, <laughs> oh, never mind. We need we need a change. We need some heads to roll here. We need something to change here because we did not go on a long playoff run this kind of sucks so but uh somebody's got to go and i don't know uh whether it was came down to sweeney or cassidy i don't know how it shook out but it sounds like uh it was just miscommunication uh and unfortunately cassidy was the sacrificial lamb in this instance but looks like he landed on his feet pretty well because 10 seconds later he's getting hired by another team yeah a, a team that probably um Probably will end up when it's all said and done, end up with a, a more points in the Bruins next year. Um, but looking at it overall, I mean, do you think it was a case of, you know, Charlie Jacobs getting off his yacht and, and turning on his, his uh, you know, data and, and looking at what's going on? Or do you think it was more of a case of like they looked at the player interviews and, you know, the, the exit interviews and they were like, and they kind of changed the course. I mean, you know, I, I just, I mean, they probably already knew what players felt going in, but I mean, do, do you think maybe the exit interviews had any impact or is that just not add up? Uh, I think if the uh, exit interviews, uh, well, here's what happened from what I know. I, I know something happened before all the uh, exit interviews were finalized because Kim Neely came out and basically gave the signal that, of changes were coming so we knew yeah. something was going to happen at that point the question was was it uh was it the fact that they were set on taking out Cassidy or were they set at that point who knows but I feel like it was the first thing just in my uh, honest opinion I think maybe the Jacobs got involved and they said uh, hey uh we, we have to have a change here this this cycle can't keep happening we can't keep losing Early on in the playoffs, we can't have that in the city, and somebody's got to pay the price. And then I think it might have came down to a decision after that, but I don't know. It's a tough situation all the way around, and I think Cassidy's going to do just fine out in Vegas. Now the question is, who does do the Bruins bring in next? Uh, it sounds like Barry Trotz was on the list of potential candidates, and that was the guy I've been harping for all, all offseason, so we'll see. 
Yeah, I wanted to pose this next question to all three of you and just see whoever wants to, you know. So I'm looking at Bruce Cassidy and how he coached. And then I look at Barry Trotz being on the list. Like, if if Bruce Cassidy is a defensive minded, going to ride young players and, and be a pain in the rear end sometimes, I isn't isn't Barry Trotz like the same thing? Or is he like, Sounds like it. maybe like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, he I doesn't. Don't- I don't think he is as defensive minded as Cassidy. Does he have defensive thoughts in his head when it comes to players? Yes. But at the same time, I think he is the type of coach where he says, okay, pasta, you're an offensive guy. You're an offensive player. That's what you need to go do. You know, then he looks at someone like Coyle. Okay. You're a third line center penalty kill power forward, but you know, good defensive forward as well. That's your role. You know what I mean? Like when he was with the Islanders, you know, and he turned that team around, he let Barzell go do what Barzell had to do. He, he let those guys play their game. And I, I think that's the way Tross is. Um, I, I don't think he has that much of a defensive mind as much as Cassidy does. I, I know that the players in Washington – at least from what I saw, like they loved him, like Ovechkin, like they all were huge fans of him. Um, you know, I just remember that whole run they had to the cup. I do feel like when he was with New York, the Islanders, and maybe it's just a Lou Lamorello pixie dust that they were like extra defensive minded. Like I just remember that series against the Islanders uh, last season being a freaking you know, tractor pull. Um you know, maybe that's just a Lou Lamorello effect. Um, but you know, yeah, I mean, I, I just I'm wondering, like, he's he's probably gonna he's probably gonna demand players, you know, hold them accountable. That's my thing. Like, you know, and, and you know, I could be you you could be completely right, Clance. So I just want to get you guys' opinions on that. I mean, I looking at you know the the coaching candidates I have, I know the final three that came out, they said are David Quinn. Jay Leach and Barry Trotz. I 100 million percent think that they should not even consider Jay Leach. I just don't. I don't think you should bring someone in that has been in the Bruins organization in the past because I, I just think that that is a, di- a disaster waiting to happen. You need to bring in someone that has never been involved with the Bruins organization, is a whole new voice that can come in get the job and sit down with management and say, hey, if we want to win, this is what we need to do. A, we need to lock up Pasenak. B, we need to do what we can to get Bergeron back. C, get rid of fucking DeBrusque. Get us some draft picks. You need a coach that's going to come in and speak their mind, not bringing a guy in that knows how the Bruins operate and is just going to be a fucking foot soldier for them like and, and taking orders from uh, Sweeney and Neely like it's a fucking dominatrix team. <laughs> I- I wonder. I, well, you know what's crazy? I would say, uh, I mean, it, you wouldn't want the exact same guy on a crazier scale, but maybe John Tortorella would be that type of mold that you're looking for. <laughs> Forget joking, it. Obviously. That, might be, that might be I'm a little much, Con. I know. I'm joking somewhat. I'm just saying he fits every box <laughs> that you just uh, suggested. No, I, and I agree. And that's why I think you bringing in someone that has never been involved in the Bruins organization is the best way to go. I mean, I love the I love the Bruins. I've, I've been a huge fan for them for you know over thirty years. But even I say, like you brought it up last podcast, Clance, and I agree. Like this guy's a Bruin. This guy is in this or you know you got the assistant coaches a Bruin. You got the player developments a Bruin. Like everything is it's like a you fucking know, cult. It, it's yeah. It needs to you know it it needs to be. It's like a Ponzi scheme. Everybody is like you know connected to each other from the same organization it's like they they need to like especially the way the game is going they need to try to evolve a little bit my god like and you know adam quaid is a skills coach it's like you know can can we can we can we bring in some fresh voices and i, I love adam quaid he's one of my favorite players on the bruins like you, they just got to try to evolve and and i i just feel like they're just not doing it. They're not, they're not moving forward. And that, that's why I think 
either Trotz or Quinn would be a good fit because Quinn, you know, he's, he's on the younger side. He's coached a couple of these guys at BU. He now like, has NHL experience, Clance. Has NHL experience and not from shitty organizations. Like he was a coach of the Rangers or an original 16. Like he is a guy that I, I think could come in, speak his mind. And, you know, where this game is going, which is more speed, skill, you know, not a big, rugged, tough team anymore. Like, Quinn gets that, and he knows how to relate to these younger guys. I think that would be a good fit as well. But I just knowing the Bruins, I don't see it happening because I just think they're going to – they're too comfortable with keeping everything within the Bruins organization cult. And, unfortunately, I just – it's in my gut that Jay Leach is going to become the next coach because – the minute Cassidy got let go, there were reports that saying that Jay Leach was the number one candidate. Yeah, well, yeah, a couple of people have reported that. Um, does it feel like to you, Beacon, that like Jay Leach might be the leader in the clubhouse right now, or is that just kind of? Uh, I, I think that's just conjecture that's been drummed up because oh look, the Bruins like to hire people that are tied to the Bruins. Well, yeah, there's a track record of that, of course, but I feel like that's immediately what everyone was uh, looking for, for a storyline. They're like, oh, who's on the market with ties to the Bruins? Oh, look, there's Jay Leach. There's yeah, but it's not, right there. it's not a story but what I'm if, saying the, is, if the track record is true. It, well, not, yes, I understand that. But what I'm getting at is I don't get the sense to me that Jay Leach is the automatic candidate as of right now. That's just from my point of view. I, I don't see that being a fait accompli yet. Uh, I think it depends on how a few of the other candidates fall let's see how uh, where trot ends up trot doesn't end up here then i can see them go with leach i see i do you I, I know you guys don't like trots but i mean i've been harping for trots the whole time maybe i just I like, I like trots. i think I trots would be the good i never said i don't like trots i like i think trots. trots would be the best one you could go with yeah very okay it just feels like nobody's jumped on that train with me i feel i feel like i'm like well, hey, let's maybe get this guy in here Maybe if you fucking showed up to the podcast more than once every three fucking months, you would know. <laughs> All right. All right. So hey, hey, I'm a busy guy. I'm jumping from rink to rink. Yeah, oh, I gotta cover fuck the off. I'm fucking busy too. I'm working. I got two kids and a pregnant wife. He's working here. So, so love, love you, boys. I, I think I, I think the trots would be that would be you know. If I'm the Bruins, that's the guy I'm, I'm I'm shooting for. I just have a feeling that, like, I have a feeling he ends up in Detroit. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know, you know, my ass or my elbow on these things. You know, I'm not connected really. But I, I just looking at looking at the fact that I think I think Detroit is, if you just look at where they're at, they're on a little bit more of an upward trajectory than the Bruins right now. Um are you thinking this is like a free agency thing where Boston becomes not a destination for hockey coaches anymore? No, I don't, I'm not saying that. I mean, Boston still has a lure of an original six franchise. I mean, they do have some talent. Um, you know, my big thing too, is like, if I'm a coach wanting to take this job, I want to know what the prognosis is on some of these injuries to these top players. Like Brad Marchand at five, nine, 185 pounds. Is he going to be, what's his prognosis for recovery? Like, is, is he going to be, my fear is that he's never going to be the same player. I mean, his whole game is on speed, quickness, using your edges, um, you know, attacking defensemen with some, with speed and, and lateral movement as well. Like double hip surgery. Like I've, we've seen players come back and be still productive after one hip surgery, you know, David Krejci among others, but like double hip surgery. I mean, that's that's frightening for a guy at 33 years old um, and his, you know, we're not talking about a 6'3", 225 pound player who could still, you know, get to the front of the net. <laughs> so, and, you know, that's that would be one of my number one concerns. And obviously is Bergeron coming back. I mean, <laughs> that that would I feel like the coaching hire part of that is going to play into it. If I'm a coach looking for a job, if I'm a candidate and I'm coming to Boston and I'm having that on my list of potential places that I could coach at, first thing I would uh, ask is, are those questions you just brought up, Merrill? And the second point is, I want to make sure I have security in this rabid market. Make sure you have at least a two-year window of safety, for sure, especially if these players aren't going to be up to speed. That's the uh, two things I think they're going to look at first when they come in here. I. 
My Mike, I I have a less con- amount of concern. I think Barry Trotz can sort of smoke and mirrors it and keep the team competitive while the while the the cavalry kind of comes back. If I'm looking at like a first time head coach or maybe a younger coach like David Quinn, like if they don't get off to a good start and they're like five and fifteen or something, like it could get real ugly real fast. And that's why I'm I agree with you on that, Beacon. Is that if you're a coach not named Barry Trotz, you're looking, you're asking what what's the security here? If we, you know, you got to think on your back of your mind, like falling on your face is a is a possibility here uh out of the gate early you know that and in, in this market that's a that's a potential for something even worse because you know the fans are going to want winning hockey really fast and things can spiral really quick if things aren't going well yeah yeah and the ownership all they look at is it's springtime or their playoffs and you know that's all they care about and if they're not getting their playoff dates the somebody's going under the guillotine. So, I mean, Clance, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, Bruins fans are going to do what Bruins fans typically do. If they bring in a new coach and they don't start winning right away, everyone's going to think it's the worst fucking decision in the world. And the Bruins are the worst fucking team in the world. And next, you know, they're going to be fucking burning jerseys in Boston common. Cause that's how pink hat Bruin fans are. You know, they don't understand that it's a process. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to bring someone, I mean, you know, if you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, yeah, what they did their first year in the league and a couple of years after that was fucking amazing. But that's a one, you know, that's a one out of 10 chance, opportunity that happens. You know what I mean? That's a one-off, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, they have to realize like that, Seattle. yeah, I mean, you got to realize that this is going to be a, a, a partial rebuild because your core guys are gone for it, literally the first half of the season. Because, I, I mean, Marshawn, they're saying six months. It's probably going to be six months before he can even fucking skate. Yep. You brought so this then up. So then it's going to be another four to six, possibly seven weeks of him just getting in skating shape. And then, I mean, you can train and skate all you want. That's, you know, but that is completely different than being at game ready speed and, and conditioning. So I personally, would I love this to see Marshawn back? Absolutely. Do I see him coming back and being effective once he's in the lineup? No. So I'm not even counting Marshawn as a factor for next season. That's scary. It, it is, but that's the, rea- that, that's the reality. He just had double fucking hip surgery. I mean, Tuka Rask just retired after having a single hip surgery. Like, in... And he's a goaltender. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see him being ready to play. And when he does come back, I don't see him being an immediate impact player, to be completely honest with you. And yeah. then you, you got to look at Lindholm, I don't think has come down from fucking Planet Mars yet from when he got hit in the playoffs. I'm stunned he even played the last couple of games. Like I, they, there's no way I, I think, I mean, listen, I've had concussions before both playing hockey and playing football. Like you get hit like that. Like you, you're not yourself at the very least for four or five weeks. Like I got taken out on a stretch in my senior year out cold from getting hit head first into the boards. It was six, seven months before I was even back to close to being normal. Yeah. I mean, look at the Bergeron, Randy Jones hit. I mean, yeah. You know, so you got to look at it. He's. I give the guy credit for playing. I give him. Hey, he's got a heart of a tiger. Good for him. Like, but you're no good to us if you're fucking drooling out of the side of your mouth and you think you're on fucking Mars every time. Yeah. And that's. So you got to look at his health. Then you got to look at McAvoy, another guy that's out four to six months. You got Brandon Carlo one hit away from the same fucking thing. I feel like their three best defensemen are all injury risks. Yeah. I mean, McAvoy it, had a heart procedure too. Remember that? Yep. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's going to be a rebuild. It's not going to be a full rebuild, Ugh. but it is going to be a rebuild. I don't see them making the playoffs. No, I think they're going to suck. I mean, there's no thinking that they're going to suck. They are going to suck. 
I think if they bring in a guy like Trotz, though, he can, as Merrill said, he can smoke and mirrors them, keep them afloat until their guys get back. That is a question of how yeah, will but, they look when they yeah, get back. Kind of like what it, we're it, looking it, at with the Red Sox this year. But, just but, I know we don't cross sports here. We don't talk baseball. But Red Sox, similar issue. When were their arms coming back? Middle point of the year. Could their bats keep them afloat? In this instance, can a coach keep the Bruins afloat? I think a good coach can actually do that in this scenario. But, I can make but, an argument the coach kept them afloat last season. I, I don't think their right. roster is 107 points good, but but who sorry, are you go gonna? Ahead. What players are you gonna rely on to keep this team afloat with with a new coach? Yeah, right. Jack that's Stanica. the tough part. That's, Jack the question is, do they bring anyone in? Where do you go after this? Well, I mean, lose your core. I'm not lose your untouchables. I'm, I'm looking right now. Projected cap space available: 2.3 million. You gotta you gotta trade assets away. You you gotta get rid of contracts. If you're looking to bring in one, two, possibly three impact players to fill in those voids of Marshawn, possibly Bergeron, McAvoy, Grizzly, you, you gotta create cap space. And you gotta I I feel like if you're gonna bring in two to three impact players, you gotta clear up minimum seven to eight million in cap space. Here's my take too. Like I'm going to throw this in there. Just, I have no information on this. So, uh, but I just looking at this, just, (laughs) just looking at, just looking at it, just looking at his age, where he is of this contract. Don't be surprised. I think if I'm Taylor Hall, I might be looking to get dealt here. You know, like, I mean, I could be wrong. He could love it here. He could want to, be a part of the leadership group. But I'm just saying, like, if I'm Taylor Hall, I'm 30 years old, you know, he only gets so many kicks at the can. I'm a productive player. You know, he, he might be a guy that, he, you know, he might he might acquiesce to to being dealt somewhere. He, he we find out what type anywhere. of player. I He's was going to say, I feel like this is in Boston now. This is his team. If you think about it, if Marshall's going to be out, it's going to be Taylor Hall's team pretty much next year. Bergeron's gone and Marshander gone. Who's going to step up while Marshander recovers? It's got to be him, probably, right? Uh, I mean, I mean, you, you think he's going to? Do you think he, that's what I don't he think really he's going to wants? put up like seventy points or anything? But I, he's got to be your guy. What do you mean he's not going to put up seventy? He put up fucking sixty-one points this year. Line or so. He had twenty goals and forty-one assists. Who's he's going to center his line, though? Me. Coil, I mean, Coyle what are you going to do? Great together. Did Ch- Charlie Coyle? I thought, I thought uh, that's. I thought the, they started the year. It was Coyle, Smith, and Taylor Hall, and they couldn't play together. No, Coyle and and Hall played fantastic together. I mean, you can't. The guy had, he had fucking sixty-one points. Like I, I thought it was. I thought the first line was the first line. Then it was. Halla, Hall, and Pasternak, and then the third line when it was going was Frederick, Smith, and Coyle. Right? Am I am I totally? Yeah, out but, of that but that's what I thought it was. It was, but it originally started with Hall, Coyle, and um, I believe it might have been Pasta when they dropped him to the second line and put DeBrusque on the first line. I remember. Yeah, that too. I mean, they they tried to right. flip stuff around because you know they had to flip things around because you know they they weren't getting a lot of scoring depth. Uh, then January first, they flipped that switch. I mean, I mean, the, we're looking at it right now. I mean, I think Bergeron's good is gone, obviously, but like, you know, Marshan gone, DeBrus probably gone. I would think. Um, I mean, they're going to be a one line team again, right? I mean, like, I mean, he, here's my thing, and maybe I'm crazy, but if you're looking at this team, where are your strengths? Goaltending, right? Wouldn't you try, and you look at your defense, wouldn't you try to say, look at, especially if they bring in Barry Trotz and say, listen, let's get another stud defenseman. Maybe we make a trade and we get a, you know, a, a, a really, you know, I, I don't know, maybe they make a big trade and, or I sign a free agent. They bring in as a door off. Like you said, Clancy said, listen, we're just going to fucking shut gonna- teams down and win games two to one. That might be the way they have to go. I mean, am I wrong? I mean, I'm just thinking playing from a strength here. It's working for Tampa. The D is – well, the Tampa's got a lot more than the Bruins. But that is like goaltending and maybe 
you know, a defense. I don't know. I'm grasping at straws here. I'm not. I'm not good at being positive. Oh shit. <laughs> I just. I mean, I don't know where they're going to get to score goals. Who, who are they going to bring in that's going to put the puck in the net? Who's going to play right. center? Who's going to eat all? Like, the- I don't think people realize how productive Taylor Hall was last year. Oh, he's he, productive. He, did, he came he to Boston. He, he, had, he had 14 points in 16 games. That, uh, that's almost a point a game. He did pretty this, good. This year, he had played 81 games and had 61 points. 20 goals, 41 points. I and to top it off, he was a plus 11. I'm not saying get rid I of like him. I'm, I was just throwing I that like out there because I'm not sure. No, like, I'm just talking about when Beacon was saying that, you know, well, Taylor Hall's not going to give you 70 points a season. He was nine points away from it this year. He me? absolutely can give 70 points a season. Pretty if close. not more. Beacon, I know you got to dip out. So uh, respond to that, and then we'll see you later when we see you. All right, bud? In 2024. <laughs> I was going to say, Taylor Hall, I mean, he, he's going to be the guy. I would say he's going to be the guy next year. If Martian's going to be out for an extended period, you're going to need him to become that 70-point a, a year for. That's the thing. If you think of it, Beacon, right? When he was, you know, when he – in New Jersey, the year he won the MVP, he was the guy. He was the right. guy that the that the Devils relied on. And that season, he had played seventy six games, had thirty nine goals, fifty four points, and 93, 93 points total, and won the MVP that year. Like, I think I think he thrives being that guy. I just I, well, I, he's never been in a winning spot as that guy outside of Jersey that one year, and he also had a good season with uh, the Coyotes, if I'm not mistaken, but. Um, I don't see I don't see him being a seventy point scorer immediately, but you got to hope he gets close to that. You got to hope he does because without him, the Bruins are porks next year. My my could I agree with you? He's definitely got the talent, uh, you know. But my my concern is that he's five years older from that season. The other thing too is like teams are going to key on him now, like That's big sure. time. You're putting your first. You're putting. You're putting Victor Hedman out. You're putting Aaron Ekblad out. You're putting, um, you know, Moritz Sider. I'm just thinking of teams play um, guys in their division. You know, uh, yeah. But then that comes down to coaching, making sure they're strategizing enough about line comparisons and line matchups. Well, they're gonna have to figure it out. In the meantime, boys, I will see you in a few weeks. Yeah, you're right. Yep. See you in fucking three about- years. He said a few weeks. Thanks, Thanks Pecon. Always appreciate, appreciate you. you and uh, good luck. 2030, pal. <laughs> oh my God. Love it. Man, He's a good man. Oh, man. He's a good crowd with Clance. Clance but pulls I'm no just, punches. No, I don't. I'm just, I, guys, if you haven't realized love you. how I am now, then you clearly don't pay attention. <laughs> you are the you are the ball buster of all ball. But I, I think it's hilarious. Like, Clance... Clance is a ball buster, but like sometimes he ball busts and then it turns serious. And then you're like, oh shit, like what did I do? And then he's like, <laughs> then it then he even gets you more. He's like, Yeah, I'm just fucking with you. But he he'll he'll let it go for like 10 minutes and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> you think he absolutely hates you and you're like, what did I say? Yeah, what he's did like, I, ah, do? I don't care. <laughs> but it's just funny. Uh, that's what I do. <laughs> it's what he do. So, it's what he do. It's what the Bruins do. They blow on this whole thing up here. Let's talk more about that defensive back end because uh, I, I don't know, man. Like you said, McAvoy is coming off of uh, heart issues. He's also got his injuries. I mean, Smaller, we, yeah. we're looking at Carlo as the, the guy right now. The guy. Oh, my God. Not the guy that we were hoping didn't get hurt entering the beginning area of the playoffs, you know? That's not the guy you want to lean on for longevity. Although, you know, his history, he does have a pretty good time in the regular season for the most part. But Ooh, Carlo? I mean, he's only been hurt one or two seasons. Like recently, he was on a streak. I what do you, I what think, do you go fucking thirteen games all getting hurt? He Ooh. did. He did. Good I, for him. I get him, get him a fucking lollipop. I think <laughs> he's. Uh, I love it. I don't know what his. I don't know what his deal was this year, but I. I think he's. Um, he regressed a lot. Bad. He he regressed a lot. I mean, he's got concussion problems. I, I think that plays a role into it too. Um, you know they've got they've got some big decisions to make as far as you know it, it's just the the guys who you would think they would move Grizzlick injured Riley injured though not as long term but I don't know what his status is going to be going into the season um Carlo 
has a no move has doesn't have a no move amazingly but he signed through 2027 i don't think his stock is the, its highest right now um i mean i don't see you know who they can realistically move out they just signed Zaboral for two years at, at uh 2.2 um so i mean they're gonna have to they're gonna have to make they're gonna have to make this over you know you got Forbert. he's got a no move i actually like the way he played i, I would say that he's probably the guy I was, I thought in the playoffs played, played probably the hardest. And, you know, as far as, you know, on the back end blocking shots, him and Clifton were actually pretty decent. I mean, I know that's oh, I agree. Hey, I, I thought they were, I thought they were probably two of our best defensemen in the playoffs. They played their ass off. I mean, they got the most, I mean, they're obviously not the most talented guys out there, but they, they played their heart out. And I, I, you know, my hat's off to them, but I mean, there's just a, you know, part of it is there's a lot of moves overall that this team needs to try and make, but I mean, with the money that they're that they have doled out to these players, like I don't trust Sweeney being able to make the upgrades to make this team competitive. And then you got to think too, like there's not really a lot coming. There's a few players coming. I mean, you know, the more I thought about it, Clance, I agree with you. I I think. Lysel's going to get a long look this year, but realistically, he's still not ready. He still needs probably another season. He's um, going to—I'd say at least a season minimum too. Yeah, he like just, like again, I. Yes, he goes off to juniors, does well, but he's not putting up the numbers that you, that wow a fucking a coaching staff or an organization. Okay, that might you be have, this year if he goes down. Yeah, you had you had sixty four points in fifty two games. Woohoo! There are guys that have fucking 64 points in 24 games in juniors. There are guys that have 130 points in fucking 45 games in juniors. Like, dude, you're, you're, you're a top, you're a first round pick, but you're not putting up first round numbers in a junior league. That's why I said before, and I think I said it on several episodes of uh, Causeway Kings here, send him over to the fucking Swedish Elite League. See what he does against grown men. The league that Matthews went to play in for a year before he signed in um, Switzerland. Yeah. Switzerland. Go see what he can do over there for a year. If you go over there and you put up 64, 65 points in 75 games, dude, then you know what? Then you, I think you're NHL ready. You're doing that against grown men, guys that are probably old enough to be your dad. And you're playing, you're, you're playing, you know, you're getting used to the professional schedule. You know, you're a pro now. You're not, a, you're not in, uh, you know, I mean, you're considered a pro in the, in the Western League or any of the, or any of the leagues, you know, the junior leagues in Canada. But I mean, it's obviously a market step up in competition, um, you know, daily schedule, you know, like that. And, you know, I just, I'm looking at their, I'm looking at their, you know, non-rostered AK farm team guys. I mean, John Beecher, I mean, I, I think he's already, a, he hasn't played a game in the, he hasn't played a game with the Bruins. I already feel like he's a bust. I think he played eight games last year in Providence and was a minus seven. <laughs> I mean, that's that is. Uh, but that let's, is let's give him the max wah. money for a rookie entry level deal. Way to go, Don. Yeah, they signed him for uh, they signed him for three years entry level deal. Yeah, I mean they've got they they signed a kid um, recently out of uh, out of junior he was a free agent that went undrafted he had a decent season he's like luke torpakoski i think that's his name um don't really know a lot about him sometimes they take fly the the times they've had success honestly with their undrafted guys that they've signed are college kids like i think a tory krug obviously he was probably there and it wasn't even sweeney mark mclaughlin showed a little bit I think he's going to get a long look. Realistically, he, under normal circumstances, I would say have him play in a full season in Providence. But the way the team is looking, I mean, he's probably going to yeah. get a, a shot to play this year. I mean, um, and then you've got, you know, Jack Stadnika. I mean, oh, stop saying that fucking name, will you? I, I was going to say he's I think a boss. I wasn't uh, going to say anything bye good bye. about him. And then you got Fuck guys me. just roster fodder, flounder. Like you got Stephen Fogarty, Cam Hughes, um, you know Jakob Lacko. These are all uh, 
they're all flounder, just, just, just roster farter, just filler. So, I mean, you know, so Oscar Steen, another guy, he, he's on an NHL deal two way and, and he's roster farter. I feel like at this point, and I don't know, it, I just, I don't have a good feeling. I, I don't have a good feeling. I, I'll feel slightly better if they bring trots in, but I mean, realistically, I mean, this team, the very, very least, even if they have everybody back that's coming back, there, there's a definite ceiling on this team. I mean, if they make the playoffs, you know, it'll. If they make the playoffs with this roster, whoever is the coach should be coach of the year because <laughs> I, I don't think after the first line and the first D pair, there's a hell of a lot. And the, their goaltending is. It, I mean, they they would have to have Swayman or Olmark would probably have to be a Vesna candidate. You know. I mean, that's what it's going to take. The Bruins don't even have a first-round pick this year. I know. They, they gave – they traded their first – they had the 22nd overall pick, and they traded it to Anaheim for Lindholm. I mean uh, – I mean, that was good before he got destroyed. My opinion. Yeah. I mean, I guess. I mean, we'll see. I mean, if, if the guy – I mean, if the guy suffers another – I mean – the guy is one more concussion away from, from being, you know, either out of the league or Brandon Carlo 2.0. So that's you, you, hit, you, you get, like you get hit like that. You get concussions like that. Like your game is affected overall. Like you're, you're totally. double guessing yourself. You're, you're double, you know, you're not, a, you, you're overthinking things and your, your play just decreases. Yeah. Your decision-making everything. You, like, and you know what's ironic? You know who who gave him that fucking suicide pass? It was Carlo. I remember that clear as day. I remember watching it. I remember exactly what led up to it. He came to Carlo. Carlo banked it, and uh, he, he put it in a spot where he had to he had to kind of catch it and turn. And it was just he just set the guy up to be killed. I mean, I know we didn't mean to do that, but. I can't think, you know, I wonder too if, if Bruce Cassidy was like, well, I didn't coach him to do that, to make a pass like that on a on a potential breakout. I mean, that was just, that was gruesome. No so, bueno. No good at all. No, no, no. So, I don't know. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. A lot's got to happen. Like I said, Bergeron announcement, coaching announcement, draft, free agency. Like, it, it's going to be... You know, and, and they're going to have to make a lot of deals, or, or you know, to try and and make this team competitive. And unfortunately, they don't have a hell of a lot that I think other teams are going to want. I mean, Craig Smith. I mean, I, they're locked into that for another year. They said they're not buying out Nick Foligno, and um, you know, and people forget this too. They had to they had to unload a first round pick just to get out of from the David Backus contract. Like this team has had so many missteps. They've actually had to – the only way they can get out of them on some of these contracts is by giving away a first-round pick. I mean, that's it's disgusting. No good. And when they do draft, they suck. They can't really draft until this year. You know, I mean, they they had – I mean, this past year they had Lysel. I mean, before that, Flounder. They – they you know, 2017, McAvoy and uh, Swayman. And outside of that, I mean – 2015 was or 2014 was Pasternak. I mean, that was it. That's really it. What will we do? Hmm. I don't know, guys. Let's uh, let's switch gears for a minute here. We got to talk Stanley Cup Final. All right. Yes. I don't even know who to cheer for anymore. I don't want Pat Maroon to get his name in the history books for going four straight. I really am all set cheering for Tampa. I liked some of the storylines, but I just don't have it in me. Colorado, though, man, what a storyline on that one. They're a powerhouse. Colorado's an absolute powerhouse. Their only issue right now is goaltending. They don't yeah. have – Then I don't think um, – who the hell is their fucking number one goalie? Uh, it was Darcy Renta. Kemper, and now it's Kemper. Uh, Frank Kuz. I don't, yeah, I don't know if Kemper is ready for game one tomorrow night. You know, and even if he was, like, don't get me wrong, Dodgy Kemper is a good goalie, but you're going up against Vasilevsky. Like, 
Yeah, good luck. The, the, the fucking guy is just absurd. Something else. He, you know, he, he's the best goalie in the world. There's a reason why he's won two cups in a row. Yeah, I, I think I think the series. I honestly, I think it's going to go seven. I think it's going to be an extremely exciting. I mean, the fact that Tampa won in in the conference finals without Braden Point is that's that's a statement right there. Bananas, you know. Yeah. Um, I just I think it's going to go seven games. In the end, I hate to say it, but I think it's going to be Tampa. They are a very I, strong I really, team. I really do. I, do you know, and the only reason why I, 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 well, there's many reasons, but the, the main reason why I agree with you, Clance, is I don't think, I know that Colorado hasn't faced a goaltender like Vasilevsky. Like, they're going to have to earn this one. Like, the first round, who did they face? They faced, um, Saros was injured, so it That's was, um, I forget the guy, kid's name. He played pretty well. I, I want to say was like it was his name wasn't Ingram was it it might have been no uh, well I think it was Connor Ingram but uh I and same thing we'll we'll, we'll grab it his yeah kid, I mean kid had a great um, postseason even for yeah, a couple he, of games being you know, he held them in one game game two went to overtime but Colorado just had too much firepower and then um you know they faced Jordan Bennington before he got injured and melted down um you know St. Louis played their backup and then Edmonton, I mean, Mike Smith is a is a glorified beer league goalie. Um, and the Koskinen in their backup just signed overseas for two yeah, years. Yeah, he yep, already had gone. one foot out the door. Yeah, that was a weird situation. The last um, of the Shirelli's. Yeah, right. That was the last movie made before he was fired. That, that was the one where they were like, you signed who for how much for how long? Get out. Yeah. Yeah, Shirelli was. Uh, yeah, that that was. I still remember uh, the the guys up north there at TSN having an aneurysm on that. But um, I don't think they faced a goalie like like Vasilevsky, and um, they're they're going to have to earn it. I mean, they're totally capable of it, though. They're an amazing team. I think Makar is uh, is playing on an all world level right now. I think Nate McKinnon is as well. I mean, they're getting contributions from depth guys. I mean. Darren Helm is turning back the clock. They got um, Valerie Nachushkin, um, you know, had some key goals. Um, they're getting like JT Comfer. They're just getting all these guys, these depth guys, and as well as their their big guns, you know, playing well. You, you just there, it's it's going to be an amazing series, I think. And I think the series overall is going to be definitely a contrast in styles and who can impose the will on the other. Like if it. Like if it gets below the dots and in the corners, I think Tampa Tampa Bay just you saw in the Rangers series they just grind you down to a nub. But I think if if Colorado can find open ice and make you play at that pace, you know, I, I, it's going to be tough to stop them. And I think that's the thing, Clance and Ben. You, we look at Colorado. I'm just so impressed at how they just they play the same way whether they're up three nothing, down three nothing. They just force you to play that frenetic pace. You never get a chance to slow the game down or get the game, you know, along the boards. They just force you to play that, that helter skelter style. I've been really impressed by that. I dig it. It's what it's all about. It's making hockey exciting and fun. That's what it's really supposed to be. And it's just good to see that uh, hockey ratings are alive and well. Uh, guys, let's move to our final thoughts for this particular episode of Causeway Kings. We got a lot uh, we covered here, but I want to make sure we get all the uh, the rage out. Are we really looking at a full breakdown rebuild? Is Bergeron going to retire? Who knows? All I know is that we're going to need multiple plans for this one, boys. Yeah, yeah. You want you want to go first, Clint? <laughs> I, I got. Uh... I don't see it being a full rebuild. I see it, I see it being a partial rebuild. I, 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 it's going to be a, a very frustrating and aggravating and, and hard team to watch next season. But this is what happens when you don't, you don't have the right pieces in place and you got GMs that don't know what they're doing and, you know, they let a good coach go, and now they're probably going to bring in fucking schmuck Jay Leach, who doesn't know how to even probably spell the word fucking hockey. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, especially over the next, 
you know, six to eight weeks. Um, I'm just very excited to watch the Stanley Cup playoffs starting tomorrow night. Um, I've already explained to my wife that she can go to the bedroom and watch her trashy Real Housewives of every fucking state in America shows. And I'm going to sit in the couch with the puppy and watch the NHL playoffs. Yeah. What yeah, he said. That's right. You tell her. Yeah. So, I mean, I I don't know if they have a choice in this. They, they might have no other choice but to rebuild, depending on how the injuries go and how a lot of things have to fall in place correctly, uh, which I just – I don't see. Um yeah, you know, I, I feel like I made it through this whole episode, you know, pretty calm based on where I, I started before we went on, guys. I was I was pretty fired up. Um, I just, Dave, there's so many questions unanswered, and I think it starts at the top. I think Clance put it very eloquently at the top that you have a leadership group that has made, when it comes to player development especially, has made more wrong decisions than right. Um, a player development staff that has missed in developing players and drafting players. And you're at this point now where you, you don't have a lot coming and that you might have to rush players who are realistically a year or two away to, uh, to try and make the big club, which, uh, you know, honestly, in the name of making the playoffs and, and having playoff revenue, because that's what the owner really cares about, which I think isn't the right thing for the organization. Um, so I'm, I'm dubious of this plan by Don Sweeney. I, I think, you know, maybe if they, you know, you get Barry Trotz in here, maybe you squeak into the playoffs, but I just, between everything they need to do, the, the gymnastics they have to do with the salary cap, the, the, the issues with drafting, the fact that they have to do a 180 and player player development, and they, they have to try and make the players that they do have. If they if they go to sleep at night, whatever helps them sleep at night, if they tell themselves that it's because Bruce Cassidy was too hard on these players that Jack Stadnika and uh you know Trent Frederick didn't develop. I mean, if that's what helps them sleep at night, they better they better hope and pray that um they find some magic in their hockey sticks. And uh, they find a coach who can get the most out of them. And I don't see that happening. So I don't see, I don't see this really ending up anywhere good for them this season. I think, like we said before the podcast, I put the over under at 85 points for them this season. Um, And that might fluctuate depending on if it's a first time head coach. Um, So I'm, I'm not real high on the Bruins right now. Again, I want to see the Bruins do well. We're all Bruins fans. But at the end of the day, you know, we're Bruins fans are also highly intelligent. You know, the good ones like me, Clance and Ben uh, <laughs> and everybody else Boom. and everybody else listening that we know we know a good team when we see one and we know a bad team when we see one and we call it like it is. And right now, with everything going on with this team, the depth issues and the injuries and the lack of player development, this is not a good hockey team right now. So let's see what happens. It's going to be interesting summer. and. Um, Maybe maybe Don Sweeney can pull a, a rabbit out of his out of his hat or his ass or both. Crazy theory time. I don't believe it, but we'll see. Crazy theory time. Here we go. Ready? Big Z retires, picks up the head coaching job. I fucking <laughs> said that last episode. No, he said Bergeron. Yeah, you said Bergeron. Bergeron. Right. I said Big Z. That is your Big, mo- there's your motivating factor, ladies. Let's go. Big, Big Z becomes a head coach and Bergeron becomes the assistant. I'd be all about it. I'd be I all about I, that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't because no? that's no, because that's following the Bruins' fucking trademark. Let's hire alumni. Yeah, but I those like are super see, I mean, alumni. They just came off no, the ice. No, come on, man. <laughs> all right. I'll say right. this. Fuck sake. Bergeron might be a different cat though because he was a great player, and. Maybe player development-wise, he could work. I mean, the only reason why I say that is usually great players don't become great coaches or front office guys, except the one caveat was Steve Eiserman. I mean, and Joe Sackick, I should say Joe Sackick too. Joe, it took a long time for Joe Sackick, though. It was they had a 47-point season in there, and, and Patrick Waugh took his toys and went home the uh the day before the season started. I don't know if you guys remember that one. 
That's how Bednar got hired. But anyways, I'm going off on a tangent. That's right. Um, I remember that too. I would I would say, you know, I, I yeah, Bergeron maybe is a development coach, but that's down the road. He's going to want three or four years away from the game. I think I could be wrong, but probably right. Well, for this episode of Causeway Kings, we thank everybody for tuning in and for checking out the website. We are uh, looking to get our own page real soon at WMEXBoston.com, but you can check out the podcast there if for some reason it's easier for you to do so. On behalf of B-Con, Merrill, Adam, appreciate you boys. Chiggs, BJ, always thinking about you. And uh, all of our listeners out there across the WMEX podcast network, we thank you. And as always, let's, let's go bees. We hope. <laughs>